What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. You are listening to episode 198. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. It's been a really good week for Detroit Red Wings hockey, but how are you guys doing tonight? I am super. It's, uh, you are right. It has been a great week for Red Wings hockey, and I'm happy that I've been actually able to watch these games. I missed the debacle for Buffalo, so I'm not upset about that. Uh, but I have been able to watch what is considered to be fantastic uh, Red Wings hockey, one of their best starts in a very, very long time, which I think we're going to touch on here in a second. But no, I'm good. Other than that, jovial, happy. The weather's been great. Not too cold, not too hot. Besides the one day where winds were 130 miles an hour. Yeah, that too. I mean, I didn't, no sighting got blown off this time, so I'm good with it. Tyler? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, the wings are playing good, which we're going to talk about. Um, I just got back from New Jersey, the armpit of the United States. Um, total shithole. Um, but basically, let's just put it this Shout way. Shout out to all our listeners in New Jersey. Let's just put it this way. Rutgers, the university, the parking lots are five fucking miles away. And they made a girl that that actually was the head of the tailgate. They made she was in a walking boot. She walked two miles each way to the stadium because there were supposed to be shuttles to and from the stadium from the parking lot. Was it uphill both ways in the snow? It was not uphill in the snow, but I felt bad for her because you know she was in a walking boot. Anyways, other than that, had a good weekend. Yeah, no, the wings are playing good and the weather has been weirdly warm i was at a football game on saturday as y'all probably saw and um where oh, is that what you were talking about that's crazy wearing a short sleeve t-shirt or so, sorry short sleeve jersey with nothing underneath i'm like holy crap it's warm it was like 74 degrees out i think the definition of a t-shirt is short sleeves so we do and have a lot well, to talk we do about have long sleeve t-shirts though. no it's called baseball yeah. tees that's, those are a lie. That's a lie. That's not yeah. a long sleeve t-shirt. It's yeah, just it's a fabric. Long, they're, they're I guess, right? So. It's not a long sleeve t-shirt. It's a short sleeve long shirt. Well, the wings are off to a good start, so let's go there. We do have a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, we're going to start with the fact that the Detroit Red Wings are, since we recorded last and kind of got really sad and depressed and angry for an hour, the Red Wings are 3-0-0 with three really good wins the games may not have been as good, but the wins are good against the Capitals, the Islanders, and the Rangers. Three teams they don't really have uh, much business beating. The Caps, though, were rather depleted. They're missing like nine guys. Now, we're missing quite a few people, but the Caps are missing like nine people. And there's some bigger names like Oshie's out. Uh, is it Backstrom's out or is it Kuznetsov? It's Backstrom. Backstrom's Backstrom, Oshie. Wilson. Wilson, Brown. Yeah. Um, John Carlson's out. Yeah. So they're missing like their entire top half of their team and their Still had Ovechkin. They did. And, and Ovechkin did score. We said the only, only person we could allow score against us as long as we win the game is Ovechkin. And that's fine. And weird. He did that. Uh, but the Red Wings threw those three games and, and why I say that those games themselves may not have been so good. It was because the Red Wings did not control the majority of the game in, in, in any of them. And the Washington game, their Corsi was a, a combined even strength Corsi of 43.2. In the Islanders game, 39.3. That's like miserable. And the Rangers game was 43.0. So we weren't controlling puck a majority of the time during the game. 
but we were still able to take advantage of the time we were controlling the puck, score goals, come back in that Rangers game and, and win in overtime on just a beautiful no-look pass by David. David Perron is just, he made that overtime his bitch and he no-look pass right to Kubi in front of the net. So Kubi's hot. Larkin continues to stay hot. Him and Kubi have the same point totals right now. I think they have the same stat line as far as goals and assists go. And they're on pace each for like 103 points on the season, which is probably not going to happen. But the Red Wings, they took that Sabres demolishing where they were just absolutely embarrassed, turned it around. Um, Philip Hronik shaves his beard off into what I'm going to call the Hru Manchu, the uh, Hronik Fu Manchu. And we've been hearing Randall bars as well. Randall bars. Randall bars. But but in the three games that he's shaved off the beard portion of his mustache, we have three wins. And I mean, I'm going to take I still them. think he sucked yesterday. So there was another stat I saw where the pairing of Mata and Hronik are the sixth best defensive pairing in the league right now, as far as defense goes. In, like, in the league? In terms of what? In terms of not allowing goals when they're on the ice. Can we talk about the turnovers? He only has four on the season. And that's total bullshit because I've counted way more than four. Giveaway there. Yeah, but you're not the official NHL. Exactly. I don't give a shit. I've watched a lot of hockey in my day. And I'm not saying we need the buzzer. We need the the buzzer. How old are you again? I'm 27. And I've been watching and playing hockey since I was three years old. So in terms, you like buzz him during that, like in the in when you record it. We, you know, ninety-seven-one when you guys start talking about back in my day. <laughs> okay, I hate to sound like the old guy here because I know I'm not, but in terms of turning the puck over, I've seen way more than four times that he's turned the puck over this season. He turned the puck over four times in the fucking Buffalo game alone. He was miserable in that game. Sorry, rant over. I'm saying. Since these past three games, he has looked good. Philip Peronic has looked good. Now they like we had talked about he needed an off or he needed a partner to help him with defense. And Olimata came in and he's locked down that role. He's been very good. He's elevated Philip Peronic, and Heronic seems to be doing good now. So I mean, I'll take when, it. Just keep yeah. shaving the beard, I guess. I mean, when when those two are on the ice together, per natural stat trick. They've got seven goals, four, three against. They're pushing play hard, and Mata's point totals are, are showing that as well. Yeah, I like I like Mata's game. I think I think he's been good. Um, I'm not going to give Heronic that much credit. I'm not going to lie to you. I think he's kind of become the whipping boy of the defense core, uh, whether it's fair or not. Um, but Mata has played good, and and I won't deny that the last couple games Heronic has come around, and hopefully he does continue to come around because I'm not rooting against any of the players on. He's got team. seven assists in twelve games already. I'm talking defensively. Okay, well that's what all Anata's for. Oh, okay, so they're the 14th best defensive pair in the league. So right there, with 163 minutes and 11 games, their x goals percentage is 51.8. Their goals for is 5.8. Their goals against is 5.4. Their expected goals per 60 is 2.1, but their expected goals against per 60 is 1.99. That's tied with uh, Mahura and Gudis in Florida, and that's one below Pedersen and Petrie in Pittsburgh. 
Isn't that like a third D pair though on Pittsburgh? It could be, but this is all about defense expected goals per 60 minutes. Here's a fun one for you. Their on a save percentage is 96.74. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing, they are now the shutdown defensive pair, I guess. Now, uh, I'll, I'll switch my, I guess, defensive scapegoat out to Robert Hag. He has been absolutely miserable. I agree with that, too. And I think the second Jake Wallman takes off that non-contact or no-contact jersey, Hag's out of the lineup because that's been not good. It's been absolutely brutal for big I would stretches. honestly even rather see Osterley in there. I mean, Osterley is also not great. But a decent night the other night, though. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say Wallman will improve the lineup when he comes back. When Pissick comes back, then they're just gonna move Gus Lindstrom out and give Pissick Lindstrom spot. That's fine. I mean, that's that's not the worst thing to happen either. I mean, it's it's Lindstrom's been okay. I mean, he hasn't been awful. I don't think, um, but he hasn't been great either. No, and that's kind of where you look at. By and I put out a tweet about it. If you look at January and where this team could be in January with what they've done these past three games, and and we brought up the stat. So the Red Wings actually haven't been this good in a while. They're seven, three, and two right now, which is the best record through 12 games since 2010. And if that was you, a pretty good team. And if you told me that was going to happen with Walman out, Bertuzzi out, Verona out. Uh, you had Michael Rasmussen miss a couple games. We we had talked about the extensive injuries. We had talked about the suspension. You've got Verona leaves for personal reasons. And you still have this kind You you found a way to win important games. And like I said, when, when January rolls around and you get a Bertuzzi back and you might have a Verona back, you're going to have a, a Wallman back in. You could have a Pissick. You're going to have Robbie Fabry. What's this lineup going to look like? And how much damage are they going to do when you get guys like that back and you bump it up just another level? But on the flip side, could that potentially... Getting those guys back, yeah, the power is there, but could it hurt the chemistry that's been building so far? I don't necessarily think it's going to hurt chemistry because we saw the way this team started with a full roster. Now, granted, it doesn't have Fabry and Wallman, but we saw it with everything else. Verona was off to a hot start again. Burt was looking like his old self. Like there, I think bringing these guys in the fold, even though it's going to be midway through the year, it's not going to hurt anything. And if it does, then we'll deal with it. But I'd be very surprised with the way things have started. And the attitude that they've taken already, really, you could argue, is what Lalone has helped instill in this team at, up to this point. Like, they'll hit the ground running, and they're not going to, and they're obviously not going to force these guys back in. Verona is the wild card here in terms, we just don't know what's going to happen there. But we know that Bert's on a timeline. That's getting, that's getting closer. Wallman's getting closer because he's been out there skating. It's just a matter of shedding that jersey, like you said. So, Fabry's been already skating gonna, too. Huh, I'm sorry. Fabry's been skating too. So yeah, you've got, but I mean, you think about it, we're already a part of the way in in November and a couple of those guys were slated for right at the turn of the year. So we're probably about maybe what a month out from Bert and then the other two potentially sooner. 
but that's best case scenario. It's how that how quickly they can get back up to hockey speed and and get their fit to them. Bert, I wouldn't be too worried about unless they told him he can't skate, but it was upper body, so he should be fine there. Yeah, and just a trip down memory lane. The last time the the wings, uh, you know, were off to that good start, they lost in the second round. We were just talking about this off camera. That was the year that they lost the first three games to San Jose, one three, and then lost in Game Seven, uh, four three or three two. So and they finished first in the Central that year with 104 points. Yeah, not a big deal. Third in the West too. That that was a good team, and Franzen had 28 goals. But anyways, uh, in terms of of the injuries and and you know everyone coming back, um, you know you've seen some injuries already in the NHL. Um, I think Brad Marchand kind of comes to mind, um, where you know you think they're out for a while, and all of a sudden and Bergeron, weren't they Bergeron too? Yeah, both of them for a short time. You know they're both were slated to be out until at least mid-November and they came back mid-October. So it's it's certainly a possibility. The whole Verona thing, we don't know. Um, you know, he could be back in two weeks or it could be two months or we don't know. So that, that's, the un, that's the unfortunate part. We don't know when we're going to get Verona back. I do have a feeling you're going to get him back at some point this year. Um, but again, you don't really know, so you can't really bank on it. So like, you know, coaches have always said you're not not there, not available, and not really thought about until you are available. So um, that's that's kind of the way you got to look at it. But in terms of the injuries and everyone coming back, I think once you know you have a guy like Robbie Fabry come back, you're gonna have start to have some decision making too. Uh, once once Bertuzzi and Fabry and and you know all these guys come back, in turn we already kind of went into it on defense, but you can go into it on offense as well. What happens with Soderblom? Um, what happens with uh, a guy like Adam Ernie, who's played pretty good? I don't honestly, the way Ernie's playing, he's picking off on what he had two years ago. So I don't see him. He's not going anywhere because he provide he's bringing that extra bit of I hate to use the word, but grit to the lineup, and he's out there throwing the body around. And he's actually doing as what you would expect him to do. Now he's got seven points in twelve games, so maintaining that pace, good luck, but. Like he's he solidified himself in the bottom six. I mean, Soderblom is the easy one to be odd man out here. And I only say that because he's only got two points in 12 games and he can go back and forth without having to clear waivers. He's looked good, I thought, though. Like he's looked good, but he I think his important thing would be going to Grand Rapids to work on his defense. There have been yeah. defensive lapses and times where I mean you you see him get beat, and that's normal. I mean, it's adjusting speed to the NHL level and it's only been 12 games, but I think he's an easy, like you said, he's an easy one to move because he doesn't need waivers. Joe Valeno is an easy one to move because he doesn't need waivers and he hasn't been as effective lately as he started. He got a pretty good start, had a pretty good middle. And then, I mean, it's kind of not, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been as noticeable. So those are the two that you can slide. Yeah, easily. I think and you look at the other veterans that they brought up, like Zarnik, Matt Luff, like they're doing what they have to do to help the team out given the situation. So Matt Luff had a goal. Right. That was a beauty. That was a nice NHL too, 23 yeah. style tip in right there. The Sherrod fired it, what about one, two foot wide? Just stuck it out there. The goalie was frozen. Like, what the hell just happened? I will say one thing about Luff. Like, I know he's not the greatest hockey player in the world, but th- man, does that guy work hard. Every time, 
That's all you need. Man. It's true. I mean, especially if he's in the bottom bottom six there, you know, or I guess the bottom line there or the fourth line, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that he's not the greatest hockey player in the world, but he's going to go in the corner. He's going to finish his checks and he's going to plumb away at trying to get the puck. And he's done a fantastic job of getting in on the four check. And, and you've never heard that term, huh? Plumb you've never heard, away. No, you've never heard I think you the, mean the term of, away? of being a plumber back there. Well, one of those, uh, one of those gritty, uh, forwards that, that, that is can that a Boston thing. I feel like no, it's a Boston no, thing. it's not. It's actually, I think no. he's making it up. So, um, but anyways, no, he's, he's a, he's a good player. I mean, he's, he's good for what, what you need him for. And, um, you know, I mean, as soon as some of these guys get healthy, we'll go back to Grand Rapids, but he's definitely a depth piece. So I, I think one thing I want to add to that though, in terms of what we've seen from really the whole roster is they are a hard team to play against. Absolutely. And it's every single line. And when you're talking about what Luff has done, Zarnik and a couple of these guys in the bottom, bottom pairings or bottom lines, like they're hard to play against. Now, is there times where you can tell that some of these guys are outmatched? Sure. But it's not for a lack of trying out there. And it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do as a whole and not just relying on those couple lines to get out there and try to do everything for them. Yeah, because that's what we had talked about initially was you can't let Dylan Larkin do all the work all the time. You can't let Kubalik do all the work all the time or else you end up in blowouts like you had against Buffalo, you end up in bad losses like you had against Boston. And these past three games, you're getting all your lines working in on stuff and contributing. And if they're not scoring, they're shutting people down. And that's what they have kind of depended on. And then also some luck. They've been playing kind of above their luck score recently, which is okay, but it's not sustainable. So Lalone knows that. He knows there are still things that need to be fixed. They were what? They were like 25% on the power play over the last three games. They were like 89% on the penalty kill. So their special teams was better, but there's still, you could still improve on the power play. The penalty kill, I'm not sure you can improve much more on unless you're trying to get back up to 100%. But their, their special teams could use a little bit of work in the, in the power play department. So I'm not uh, in, a, in about player injuries. You're getting a little bit more, not luck, but you're getting. Uh, maybe another look at a guy with a Philip Zena who's now out for what was said today or yesterday as months. He's going to be out. He's like month to month now. Yeah. Broken bone. Yeah. Well, it's in his, he blocked the shot with what his leg is like upper ankle area. Yeah. Like it looked like it went right above where the skate right below, maybe where the padding is on where it wraps around the leg there. Yeah. So he's probably got either it's a breaker or a fracture. So he's going to be out for, for a couple months we were saying, does this maybe give a shot to someone like Berggren? Or do they just keep Luff and Zarnik in? It should. But the thing is, is if you've got these other guys coming back, if you've got guys that are maybe Bertuzzi's a couple weeks away, and if he's a couple weeks away, is there, do you call in a Berggren for three games or four games? I mean, I think you should too. I think Berggren should have been called uh, in on the last injury. But he's doing very well in Grand Rapids. Some people are saying that his defensive game still needs a little help. But if he comes in and scores goals and is as defensively sound as Philip Zadina was, don't you think that's his spot at that point? It could be. I mean, if you've got a guy that's had no points through nine games, which was Zadina, 
And obviously not trying to completely shit out on Wally's down, but he has not looked good. Except, I, it's for, not for, except it, for the game where he got injured. that He was having a very good game. Yeah. He, he has had flashes of what we would expect out of him. Has it led to anything? Unfortunately, not. And really, I would say that the discourse had mostly stopped up until the point for him on when he got hurt because he was getting opportunities with the best players on this team, and it wasn't happening. He was getting power play time. He was playing with Larkin, playing with Perron, Cop, you name it. Not puck wasn't going in the net. He wasn't getting help helping getting in the net. So him coming back from injury, will he be the odd man out again? Potentially, because you're gonna have everybody else back. And if Berger, Johnny Burgers does come up, I know that people are trying to say that's not gonna be the nickname, but I love that it is the nickname coming up. So that we're is rolling the with nickname. it. If he comes up and makes the impact that he's currently making in Grand Rapids, because he has not missed a beat coming off the of last season. And he is shooting the puck really fucking well. And all if he does that, Zadina's the odd man out. But I also say that in the sense of where else can Bergeron play that's not just a depth guy. Meaning if he's third line on this team right now with how things are going, that's no problem. Because yeah. that could you whoever you're putting him with, that's actually going to be a decent line at this point. You give him special but, teams too. That's yeah, what I was going to say. Like is he going to be slotted onto a power play unit? Because you would think that he would, and that would give them better depth on two power plays. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think what aggravates me is some people are like, well, you know, he's doing well in Grand Rapids. Keep him there. It's like, no, the, the goal isn't to do well in Grand Rapids. The goal is to do well enough in Grand Rapids so you get called up and you're, you're part of the big team. That's what happens when you're drafted. That's the point of being drafted. That's the point of being a hockey player is to get to the highest level. And if he's playing at a high level and there's a need on the team, especially you could slot right into that Zadina role. And if he does well, then that's his spot to keep. I'm sorry, Zadina. Steve Eisenman didn't draft Philip Zadina. He has no allegiance to Philip Zadina. Yeah, I, I agree. And and we had said that this is Philip Zadina's make or break year and uh, break in so far because he hasn't literally made anything. No as pun far intended. As points. Yeah, as, as far as points go, there have been none made by Philip Zadina. So last couple of players I wanted to touch on before we move on. We have actually a pretty massive mailbag tonight. Uh, but Andrew Kopp, Andrew Kopp has seemed to have turned it around. He has found his game. He scored a goal. He has five assists and six points in 12 games. And I, uh, by all intents purposes, has looked good. Andrew Kopp has been good the past few games. And he, like I said, he probably just needed a little bit more time to warm up. He, I mean, coming back from surgery, did not have any training camp. He didn't have any preseason. Took him a little while, but he's here. Lucas Raymond is absolutely on fire right now. He almost had a hat trick. He has six points in 12 games, four goals, two assists. He has looked really good, and Mo Sider seems to be back to himself. If Luke grows the mustache along with the bottom part here is he going to look more and more like me or what people are going to think you're copying him at this this point (laughs) let's not kid ourselves here this is this is my style here not his you're not the one making a lot of money that's on tv all the time so i hate to break it to you but they're going to think it's the other way around just saying but no cop has been fun because he scored uh four points over his last four games and Obviously, he had one point in the Buffalo debacle, but he had one and one in Washington. Finally got that monkey off the back scoring there. 
had an assist against the Islanders. Didn't have anything against the Rangers, but that wasn't for a lack of trying because I'm surprised that he didn't have a couple assists in that game. Felt like they just were peppering uh, the net there, but they just couldn't find anything until kind of late. And that paid, I mean, it paid off in the end, but he has been much more noticeable in my opinion, in terms of, I think that his legs have finally gotten under him after missing that time. And he even said as much that it's been just taking him a bit to try to get back into the flow of things. And I think that was kind of the worry that we all had with him coming off the core injury that he did. Cause we saw the same thing with Larkin. We've talked through it multiple times over how it just takes a little bit and he's got those, those games in now. And if, if he can keep the pace and just keep going with it, points are going to happen and he's going to help make this team better. And it's already showing. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, you know, he was slow. I mean, there's no, there's no two ways about it. He was really slow uh, out of the gate in terms of speed, foot speed and yep. everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was taking him a little bit to get, you know, the, the rhythm and everything like that, to get up to the speed of the game. I feel like it's gotten better. I don't think he's quite just there yet in terms of timing, but um, I think it's getting getting ready to get there uh, in terms of, you know, everything, you know, putting everything together. Um, we kind of talked about him being from Michigan and, 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 you know, maybe it taking a little bit of an adjustment to to become there. I mean, because he's played he's played in Winnipeg and he's played in New York. So, I mean, that's not exactly anywhere close to Michigan. So, uh, you know, with with people asking him for tickets and everything like that, it certainly is a little bit of an adjustment, even if it's not like, you know, the biggest thing, plus the injury and everything else. Lucas Raymond has been out of this world. I mean, really, he's looked good. His his foot speed, I thought, was a little slow out of the gate, too. And he's he's gotten quicker. He's making a lot more smart decisions with the puck as well. Um, and I think that helps that he's playing with Kubelik and Larkin, although I guess the suitor moved up. Right? Yeah, I wasn't a fan night. of Suter on the on the on the other wing there. The other yeah, night. no, I, I like Suter more in the middle on the third line, or I guess on the second line. Um, but you know. To me, it's 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 one of those things where they got out of the gate slow and they're starting to hit the ground running, and that's that's a good thing because I mean that's that's how this winning streak continues. You you continue to have these guys go, and then you know the other guys start picking up the slack as well. Joe Valeno, I've seen a lot from, not a lot of production just yet, but I thought I think he's been quick. I think he's been willing to you know lay the body when he needs to now i know i know he's not like a second line center or anything like that but i mean he's if he continues to play the way like in terms of eye test the way he's looked out there speed wise and skill wise he's going to start putting the puck in the back of the net yeah but he's yeah but he's out there to be a center and he's not doing well at on draws right now he's at a 30 percent rate I mean, he's he's got an uphill battle, I think, at this point, especially when Sunquist comes back. Like to me, yeah, you're probably going to end up sending a guy down. You're going to have to. Um, but I think he'll end up being the odd man out in lieu of a Soderblom or somebody like that when when Sunny comes back. Do you think he, the I, reason that they haven't controlled the puck as much is just because of their lack of winning draws? I mean, other than Dylan Larkin, everyone else seems to be losing a lot of face off. Yeah, I mean, last game they actually were fantastic on the draw. It seemed like, because but at the as a season total, they're at forty four percent. I mean, you look at Kubalik. I'm not going to count him. Larkin's at a fifty two two rate. Uh, let's see, Andrew Kopp is somehow only at forty percent faceoffs. Raz is at forty four. 
Suter's at a 43-9, so 44. I mean, the guys that you were relying on to take most of your draws, other than two of them, really aren't doing too hot. But, I mean, it is still early, so that's going to change. But, I mean, it does impact what it is that you've got going on if you're not winning that draw. Especially on the power play. That, that, that's the biggest thing. It feels like yeah. they lose every face-off on the power play. Dylan Larkin included. I'm, I'm not going to pick on him because he's not the only one. But, I mean, he is power play one, center number one on the on the power play. And uh, you can't lose face-offs, um, especially in a 2-1 game where you're down and you're trying to come back. Uh, you've got to win face-offs. You've got to get set up in the zone. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're killing 20, 30, 15, 20 seconds. Every I mean, right now he's at a 56% rate on the power play. So I'd, I'd say he's not doing totally awful there. Seems like the games that they're winning, he's doing that. And then the games that they're losing, not so much like the Buffalo game and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think Dylan Larkin's the one you're going to be relying on most for, for your face-off wins. Like you said, Cop is generally a pretty good face-off guy. And his numbers are improving lately, but he's got to pump them up. So we actually, like I said, have a pretty big mailbag tonight, but I want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor before we get to that. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back, and it is time for a Grind Line podcast mailbag. I think this is the first major mailbag we have of the season because there is a lot going on this is where we need a nice little sound (laughs) of what like mail i don't know you've got mail and i could do the mail time song from blues clues i was just thinking that there's the mail it never fails we all know the song you want to wag your tail when it comes we want to mail tyler's like Tyler has no idea. You don't, I you was off? just singing it. What are you talking about? <laughs> you were muted then. I, your mouth wasn't moving, so I don't believe you. So the first question I want to get to, because I think it's uh, imperative to what has gone on recently with the Red Wings, Ray on Facebook asked, how close are you to giving the net to Vili Huso? Uh, granted, Ned did have a really good bounce back game against the Rangers, winning that in overtime. Huso had his second shutout of the uh of the season and he has looked fantastic so i i give ned i think there's a small chance they go back to a rotation a one-to-one rotation but if ned lets another one go by i think it's huso's net i actually think it might be huso's net until ned has maybe a couple other really solid starts and then they swip uh then they switch one two but huso has been very good so far this season yeah, it's it's hard to argue that one at this point. I mean, they they were talking about it on the broadcast the other night that Ned has kind of had the short straw in terms of having most of the away starts to this point. So it has been that much harder of a go. But, I mean, I would think that based on 
just, I mean, you look at the stats alone and that speaks for itself, but who, so you watch these games played. And I would say the Rangers game was probably the first one where Ned looked like himself in terms of playing the puck and just how he saw the puck. And what I meant by playing, like getting behind the net and being active outside of his net, just outside of just making saves. And that's what you hope for can keep moving, like carry on moving forward. So if that's the case, I mean, you, I'm happy with the 1A, 1B, but I think right now you're one is so until it, they make up, they force a change, meaning the goalies. And to give it some background stats on Huso, Huso has seven games played. Uh, he's won five, lost one, has a 94 1 save percentage and a 186 goals against. That's insane. I think he's like the fourth best goalie in the league right now. And uh, Ned has five uh, games played, two wins, two losses. He has a save percentage of 88 and a goals against a 4.34. Now, like you said, he did look good against the Rangers. He came back. He won that game. Um, but Huso has been absolutely lights out in 99% of his starts so far. Yeah, I think Huso is the guy. Um, I, I would argue that that he should be the guy already going forward. I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to play every single game. Uh, but, you know, if there's a game on a Tuesday night and there's not another one until Thursday, he should play both of them right now. Um, and if it goes to back to back, then obviously, um, God forbid, a goalie play two games in a row. How 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 dare they? Um, but I mean, in this case scenario, uh, it's, it's kind of where we're at in, in hockey. Um, the one, a one B situation is kind of what it's going to be. But in terms of Huso being the starter, I mean, like I said, if, if there's a game on Tuesday and not another one till Thursday or Friday, uh, you got to have Huso playing both of those. And then if it goes to back to back, then I guess you, you switch off, you do the one, a one B thing. Yeah, you ride your hot hand. That's all you do with goalies in, in the hot hand right now seems to be Huso. Uh, so uh, on Twitter at Mo Cider Fanboy, if the Wings are any solid playoff spot, whether that's first or second wild card or somehow third in the division by trade deadline, do you see Steve still shipping players out to gain more assets a la Kubalik? Uh, Kubalik ain't going nowhere, man. It's, Chicago is, punches themselves in the dick every time Kubalik scores a goal. It's phenomenal. And the, the guy, like I said, he's up there with Larkin right now, tied for leading the team in points. He has one of the best shots I've seen in a long time. I think he just needed to get out of that hellhole. And I think you're shipping off a guy like Robbie Fabry before you're shipping off a Dominic Kubelik. I don't think you're shipping anybody out. I really don't. You I have don't. to. You have don't have enough room for everyone. When everyone's healthy, someone's got to go. You could just send Soderblom down and Valeno down. But then you still have too many people because you're going to have Fabry come back. If you have Verona come back, if you have Bertuzzi come back, you still want to try to fit in Berggren. You're going to you can send down two. But well, I guess the other thing is, too, there's still possibilities of injuries going forward. Sure, there are. Hopefully not. But, you know, I'm just saying realistically. Yeah, I, I struggle with seeing a guy with term getting shipped out, but because there's still too much unknowns of what, what will actually happen with the salary cap. So Fabry to me would be a very difficult one, and his injury history is not going to help him at all. And it's gonna, he's going to have to sweeten that deal if he's trying to get Fabry going outbound to try to bring in. I mean, if you're going for assets, then maybe it's doable, but you're still going to have to eat salary, and then that's two million. If you're taking on fifty percent, you're still paying him two million a year for the next two, three, or two more seasons after this. I don't see one like that happening. It'd have to be all or nothing, and that'd be a tough one to sell. I mean, I could see a suitor. Or maybe what about Sundquist. a Bertuzzi? 
maybe even a BERT because those are all expiring deals. I'm not going to, Larkin's got a full no trade, so don't even try to go there. But BERT could very well be one of those guys that gets shipped out. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. If they're in that wild card spot, they've got enough to raise some eyebrows and make something happen but they also don't have enough to really wow someone um, potentially in a trade. So it's kind of a damn if you do, damn if you don't almost situation, maybe a double-edged sword where you don't necessarily have to trade. Would you like to trade? It would be good, but you know, it's not going to happen unless there's going to be something very good for Eiserman as we've already seen to this point. So, yeah, I think the days of making an Anthony Mantha trade or a Nick Jensen trade or, you know, something similar to that, um, is over. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't like rule it totally out, you know, if the wings go in the toilet, but as constructed right now, and they're in it right now, I mean, and, um, you know, obviously things can certainly change, but they're certainly in it. And when you're in it, you don't make trades for the sake of making trades. You make trades for the sake of, you know, improving your hockey club. Yeah. And by in it, we mean second in the division currently and sixth in the league. The Red Wings are in it. And then I guess the opposite side of the coin, Matthew Schuper on uh, Twitter at DC Hockey 97 asks, is it too early to think about adding pieces for a potential playoff push? Are players like Fabry and Sunquist possible trading assets to gain more pieces for a run? Now, Iserman did say recently that he's still focused on not trading away his draft picks. And, and again, that goes with what Lalone says is this team is probably not a playoff team. They're still going to have some struggles, though they aren't showing it right now, and it's only been three games. You, you can look back a week and see the, the Sabres game. But it, I don't... I think, yeah, I think it's still too early to add pieces for a push. I think if they make it with this roster, I think if they're doing well enough around the All-Star break or after the All-Star break, that they may not trade away as much as they might have thought they would. but. I don't think they're in the position to add for a push because I'm not sure that push would be valuable enough in the end. If you're just a first round exit, I think it depends on what you're, what you're going for. If it like, it has to make sense. You're not just making a trade for a rental, but if you're making a trade for someone that improves your team, not only this year, but next year and going forward, then that's certainly a possibility. Like maybe like a Jacob Chikorin trade. I'm not saying that specifically, but something like that. Exactly. But I'm saying like a young player that is under contract that can make your team better this year than than what you already have. Um, But you're not you're not trading for a rental like you're you're not going out and trading for three or four rentals to make your make a quote unquote playoff push. This is not Ken Holland. Um, but, you know, if there's something out there that can make the team better, that's not going to you know hurt you in the long run. I don't see why Eisenman wouldn't at least look at it. No, it, unless it's a, a hockey trade, meaning player swaps at this point, I don't think it's going to happen. You if you're you might see a third or a fourth round pick go but that might be even still pushing it because this team is not where they need to be as a whole to make an impact in a long playoff run or even really just sniff the playoffs. We're, we're still TBD on that, how this season plays out. So I don't see them acquiring to make the team necessarily better. If it is, it's a rental from someone else still with an additional draft pick and maybe they're giving, giving them a player back. Yep. 
So from Constrictor on Discord, Cider had one point through the first seven games and four points through the last five. Cop had two through the first seven and three through the last five. Raven had two in the first seven and four in the last five. Which player are you most excited to see get going? Which is the most important that they get going? So I, I'll answer first by saying most excited to see get going, I think, is Lucas Raymond. I think he is going to have a monster year uh, where he puts up a lot of points and, and just keeps progressing. I'm not worried about Cider. I think the most important to get going was Cop, And he seems to be going now because you got him to solidify that second center position. Again, not worried about Cider. Like you said, Cider has, is going now. Cider has not been bad. He has not been as good as he was last season, but he is getting there. He was last game. Last game, Cider was phenomenal. But Cop, I think, is the one that is most important to get going because he, you really need him to hold down that second line, and he seems to be doing it now, at least in the past couple of games. Yeah, no, I, I think the big one that you need to have get going is Raymond because you look at Cop's St- history, he's really not a big scoring guy. He's more of the center, like the typical center that you would expect in terms of maybe two-way player. He's sound. He's going to do things the right way. Are you considering getting going just scoring, though? Well, I'm saying putting points on the board. So you look at, I mean, he's got a career high of 53 points. And last year, I take that back. What was last year? 50, I can't do math. 35 plus 18, 53. They got to get 53 again? Oh, no, that is added. Yeah, 53. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's his, he, he's coming off a career high. Is he going to repeat that? I mean, that'd be the ideal situation. Uh, six through 12 right now, we'll see. But, I mean, his point totals aren't anything to be like, holy hell, that's amazing. So the guy that you're hoping that's going to be scoring and making a lot of those plays is going to be Raymond. Now, Cider, if you have him putting points on, that's fantastic. Because that means that your back end's producing the way that you would hope it is. And that right now it's pretty balanced back there, if you could argue. So I think the one, though, that's most excited to see get going is definitely Raymond. Because if he's clicking, that means Larkin's clicking. Whoever else they're playing with is doing the same thing. And whether that's power play or even strength, that's, that's a big deal. All right. So most excited, I would say it's Cider. For me in particular, I think Raymond is going to be one of those guys that's going to have a big year. Um, I, I think the slow start was just, you know, due to the start of the season. You know, some guys start out slow. He did this year, um, did not last year. So I guess that just happens. But I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to Cider because he is super important in terms of what's going to happen this year, offensively and defensively. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see what where he can go from here. Uh, most important, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you, Ryan, Andrew Kopp. I, I think that, you know, a second line center is somewhere someone we've been looking for for a while. Um, is he the second line center going forward? Like in the future? We don't know about that. But for the here and now, he's the second line center. And and, um, you know, I'm excited to see him continue to um, to get better and, uh, you know, get through that injury because, you know, he's still not I wouldn't say 110 percent. I think he's he's still kind of working through some stuff, but um, you know when when it gets when it gets going for him, I think it's going to be good and it's important to have a second line center that's going. So, from Lucas on Facebook, if a left D goes down with an injury, would it be smarter to give McIsaac a look and let Edvinson develop more, or just go with Edvinson? I am going to counter that by saying go with Albert Johansson. Albert Johansson has looked good 
in uh, Grand Rapids. Albert Johansson is playing a very good defensive game in Grand Rapids. Now, Edvinson was against the in the game against Texas was the first star, had a couple points, played a dominant defensive game. But I think that Johansson has been more sound defensively for longer in Grand Rapids, where we had said it doesn't matter if Edmondson stays in Grand Rapids all year. It's fine. He can develop down there. Uh, he, it's a it's a more physical game in the AHL. You got guys beating people up to, to make a paycheck. So I think you get him in a situation like that where he needs to get he needs to make moves faster. He has even less space, even less time before he gets nailed to the boards. Uh, McIsaac would be an okay fill-in, but I think I, if I'm going to play a guy on a bottom pair, and I would say give Johansson a shot and see what he's got for a couple games, unless you're sure you can bring Edvinson in and he can steal that spot and lock it up for the rest of the year. Try out a Johansson. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys, to be honest, because they're all young. They all have a different aspect to them that is, you could argue, is pretty fantastic. Um, but it, it, to me, I think it's just going to be a toss up of who's ready to go other than the guys that we we've talked about that were injured and, or about to be back, if you will. So would I love to see Edmondson? Yes. Do I think that I want to risk burning an ELC year? No. So hopefully it would be, I could see them doing kind of a yo-yo with some of these guys, but Johansson, I wouldn't be against McIsaac would be fun to finally see up here just because he, of the injuries that he's had up to this point. He's finally healthy starting last year. He's staying that way, I believe, so far this year. So him just out of like, hey, let's see what you finally can do at the highest level because there was so much behind him in terms of hype uh, before he got to Grand Rapids. So I don't know. I I wouldn't be against either of them. I think McIsaac had put first on the list just because of how long he's been around. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that because you've been here the longest, you should be there. So it's you're not, you're not going to be bad by giving any of these guys a shot. Yeah. I think, I think it doesn't really matter. Um, like not to not answer the question. I think all three of them are, are fantastic choices. Um, Edvinson obviously is the most flashy one um, where, you know, everyone's kind of clamoring for that, but I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of those guys. I think McIsaac is probably the oldest one of the group there. And, um, you know, he deserves an opportunity for sure. He's gone through a lot of injuries. Um, he was in junior, right? Correct. Who, Who's that? McIsaac? McIsaac, yeah. When? when? Like, like, he was he was playing in juniors. He wasn't in college, correct? No, yeah. he was in juniors, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then he right. was in Finland for a year. And then he played in the World Junior Team Canada, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, he's had some injuries. So it would be nice to see him finally crack the NHL. That'd, that'd be cool for him. And uh, it'd be interesting to see if he could, you know, make a case for himself staying. But um, can't go wrong with those three. From Frozen Slayer on Twitter with Bert and Fabry, possibly Verona coming back before Zadina returns. Does he still have a chance at a roster spot? What do you think the chances are that we get a peek at Berger and will Zadina's injury? We kind of already answered this. I don't think I, I honestly Fabry's easy enough to push Zadina out of the lineup when he comes back. Uh, you saw Zadina sit the first couple games of the season anyways, simply because there was no room. And when we have a fully healthy lineup, again, with the way he's playing, now not with the way he's producing, which is to say he's not, I you you got to give the spot to someone else you think is going to produce, whether that's Berggren, definitely Fabry or Abert. 
maybe Verona. The the lineup is going to do, be too packed. So that's why I had said maybe you looking toward the trade deadline, maybe you find a right shot defenseman in a similar situation that Zadina is in on another team and try to do a, a one-for-one hockey kind of trade there. You're not going to get many like picks for Zadina. You're going to have to do a, a trade that makes a player-for-player trade that makes sense, basically. And that's that's where I land on that. But he has minimal chances, I think, left to show what he can do because we had definitely thought that with the new coach, okay, maybe he can get going. He hasn't got going. Maybe with more opportunity on with higher quality line mates, he could get going and he hasn't gotten going. So he's got time to do it, but the the sand is is running out of the hourglass. Yeah, you've got guys like Adam Ernie doing more with less. So I think right there tells you a lot of where Zadina's at. And with Fabry coming back, he's there to come come in and produce offense. And we know that that's going to happen because when he's on the ice, the team is arguably better. Now you could argue how he is defensively. You could say maybe Zadina is a little bit better in that sense. But at the same time, you just eh, maybe we'll see. So it's I, I think easily, easily makes him man up, not man out. Yeah, I think the, he's the odd man out. I'll agree with you guys. Uh, I, the, I haven't seen enough from him um, to to warrant him a roster spot, really. I mean, when Fabry comes back, if you know, if, if Zadina, obviously, obviously Zadina is not going to be healthy. So, but once Fabry comes back, I mean, that's his spot to take. So, um, you know, I mean, he can go out there and take it or Bergring can come up and take it. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that hard to take that spot from Zadina. It's not Fabry's to take; it's his to lose. That's true. That, that's a good way to look at it as well. I mean, you know, there there hasn't been enough offense produced, and yeah, I mean, you can be a good defensive forward, but that's not what he was drafted to do. He was drafted to put the puck in the back of the net. He was drafted to be a quote unquote Nikita Kucherov esque kind of player, and he has not done that whatsoever. So, um, you know, easy odd man out at this point. From at Nick Cisak on Twitter, and this is we're going to talk about the top of the lineup now. Do you think Kubalik stays in the top six when Verona, if he comes back, and Burt come back into the lineup? I think Kubalik has earned those top six minutes. He has made 100% out of every chance he has been given. He is, I'm going to say, one of the top players on the team right now. And that is, I, I'm going to give him top six. He's going to get top six for uh, until he slows down and proves that he doesn't need it anymore or doesn't deserve it anymore. But Kubelik's going to get top six uh, even when those guys come back. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm also going to tell you to go to find Twitter and look up the goal that McDavid just had because he just walked the Capitals defense on a four-on-four situation and scored another highlight reel goal. It's not even fair. But anyways, no, I would have to agree. I think Kubelik's earned his way into the top six. Now, Burt comes back. I think he's already on the top top line. If he's on your second line, I'd be surprised. But there's no questioning what Larkin, Raymond, and Bertuzzi can bring to this team when they're all healthy together. So I think that solidifies you with Kubelik on the second line. Now, with Verona coming back, when or if that may be, I don't think you run into much issue by putting him on your third line because – you can really set him free against inferior competition, but you're also still going to have him likely lined up with decent players on either wing. So you can't necessarily be mad that if he's on the wing of Rasmussen and maybe Soderblom or Sunquist if he's back and healthy. Braun, even depending on where they decide to put him, if they're dropping him to the third line or something like that. So there's 
the odds are good of wherever Verona's at, he's going to score goals, and it's not going to eliminate him from the beginning back on the top power play unit potentially either, which really I think you could take that either way because I think he was going to back and forth before he got out of there. So, yeah, I, I don't – you're flexible, and I think that's a great spot to be in, and so we'll see. Yeah, so, I mean, as much as I would like to say he's going to stay there, I mean, if the production continues, that then, then I don't see why he couldn't stay there. Um, you know, Johan uh, – um, sorry, uh, Tomas Holmstrom probably wasn't a first-line winger, but he played there a lot of the times because he was producing, right, most of the time, staying in front of the net and putting the puck in the back of the net, tipping. So, um, I mean, maybe Kubelik's not a first-line winger, but if he's going to produce – and going to have the chemistry with Dylan Larkin and Lucas Raymond, then I don't see why he couldn't stay there. Uh, is it likely? I mean, if you look at his career, probably not. But, I mean, again, things do happen and players do continue to get better. So I don't see why not. But at the same time, it's a good problem to have. Like, I'll agree with you, Ryan. From Pete on Discord, if we still had Keith Petrozelli and signed him to an entry-level contract a few days ago, where would he sit on our depth chart? Uh, for those wondering where this question came from, the Toronto Maple Leafs had to emergency sign Keith Petrozelli because they have another goalie injury and don't have any money. So they can't like sign a goalie. So Keith Petrozelli is a Maple Leaf for better or for worse. I would say that right now, Keith Petrozelli would probably be, uh, I think if you had him, he'd probably be in Toledo right now, probably. I, I don't think he's beating out Bratstrom and I don't think he's beating out Kosa in, in for a Grand Rapids position. So he's probably, and I think he's leader. part of the merry-go-round of everything, everyone going back and forth because they'll probably have him in Toledo most likely with Kosa, then kind of splitting duties down there almost. And then you've got Bratstrom as the yo-yo and the, those guys would be going back and forth. I think it'd be an in-between if anything, but that'd be the best case scenario for, for those guys. I think that was the the scenario that we were hoping for through the season, but alas, Pedrozuli decided to leave. So, or Iserman let him go. Either way, that's that that happened. I was just gonna say, uh, if you had Kosa and Petrozelli um, and the two heights combined, you'd probably have the the tallest goalie tandem in fucking hockey history. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you guys. I think he would be kind of you know you know, up and down between the AHL and the ECHL, and maybe he'd be the guy in the ECHL. Um, He did. It didn't seem like, I mean, he's not much better than all the guys that we have now. And, you know, he's still young as well. Although he played four years at Quinnipiac, right? Or was it three? He played several years in college. Right. So he's a little bit older than those guys. So I guess that that's the one advantage or maybe potentially disadvantage he would have, but. So we have another one from Discord. We're going to run through some of these pretty quickly because we're running out of time tonight. Anyone taking the under on points this season at 84.5? I think we were all kind of around 85 and 85, 90. So I would say no. No, definitely not. Uh, cheese bag. Larkin and Kubi are projected at 102.5 points for the season. Do they reach it? How many people in the league will? Any surprises as to who will and won't? I don't think they do. I think if anyone gets close, it's Larkin. Um, Wait, what was the question? I'm sorry. Larkin and Kubiak are on pace for 102. Do they reach it? Ooh. 
No. And I think if well, anyone, if anyone gets close, it's going to be Larkin. For those that do reach it in the league, you're looking at your McDavid's, your Dry your Kucherov's. Uh, Eric Carlson right now has 19 points in 14 games, which is a fucking shocker, right? Like back from the dead, Eric Carlson. McKinnon will probably get there. Pasternak will probably get there. Jason Robertson has a chance. Um, a surprise, Martin Neches is playing out of his fucking mind right now. Uh, but I think that Larkin, I think, will have the closest shot. And I think if Raymond kicks it up, he might be able to to go that way. But when guys come back and start getting healthy, if you think Kubi's going to be bumped down the lineup, then there's going to be less minutes and less opportunity to score. So I think Larkin, will, if, if anyone gets to that 102 mark, I still think Larkin will probably get in the high 80s to, to low 90s. But we'll, we'll see what too, happens. In my opinion. You need Larkin at that plus point per game pace. We've been talking about this ad nauseum. That puts him into a top 15 scoring center in this league. And it just, I, I hate saying it, but it justifies his, his existence as a 1C in the NHL. And that is what you're going to need because you know the defense is there and he can do all the intangibles in terms of that when he doesn't have the puck. But if he's putting the, helping put the puck in the net and also scoring goals when it matters most, that is what you need the most. If he's pushing 85 plus points, you've got your top 15 guy, arguably arguably top 10 center in all of hockey. Kubi is just, you hope he hits 30, maybe pushing 40 goals. If he gets the 60 points, I'm great with it. From Alan on Facebook, uh, by the end of November, if we have 26 to 30 points by 22 games, is that a good measuring stick for later on to put on repeat if we can consider 100 points made wild card last year? Or is it too much parody these days, a bad thing for those hopes? Uh, I think if you are, if you've got 30 points by 22 games, I mean, that's a decent measuring stick, but we all saw what happened last season where we flew off into the deep end off a cliff into the Grand Canyon after the all-star break and like the car exploded. It's like, was Thelma and Louise or Bonnie and Clyde that fly off and explode into the sunset? It could happen again, guys. Like, it could. Do I think it's going to happen this year with new coaching and new systems and better players? No. Through how many games again? 30? They said 22. Uh, if we have 26 to 30 points by 22 games in, can we can we maybe look at that 100-point mark as a, as a wild card spot? Because it was 100. I think it was 100 points last year, Washington, in the final wild card spot. No, but shouldn't it be less this year? It depends on how depends. everyone else I mean, plays. You could argue that it's going to be that way for how some of the top teams are go- like from last year are going. But, I mean, that's going to be a tough hill for some of them to climb. But, I mean, you look at their 22 games last year, they were 10-9-3, Detroit was. So there's, what, 23 points that they had? So I think that your measuring stick should probably be a little bit higher. I mean, if you're pushing 13 to 15 wins, then I definitely say you're in a good spot. I don't know. What, re, state, state the question one more time so I make sure I'm hearing it right. If we have 26 to 30 points by 22 games, can do you think they can just repeat that going forward to the end of the season to make a wild card spot? Yeah, if they're pushing 30, I think yes. They're going to have to. If they don't, if they're, they're – I mean, I shouldn't say they have to, but to get, be at a proper pace – and to try to compete with these teams, they're going to absolutely have to keep that pace. But it, again, depends on what injuries do, but we've seen that how they've done with that to this point already. So 
if they're pushing 30 points, so you're that there's the 15 wins right there, as, as just mentioned, not counting any potential OT losses in there, then you're, you're in a damn good spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the biggest thing to look at as well is, are they in it at American Thanksgiving? I know a lot of people are like, oh, American Thanksgiving. That's like the measuring stick. I think it's like 93% of the teams that are in the playoffs at American Thanksgiving make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, and I think there was only one or two teams last year that didn't. So uh, that is the measuring stick. That's where you want to be. You want to be in the playoff picture at American Thanksgiving. Most of the teams that are make the playoffs and most of the teams that aren't don't make the playoffs. So um, I agree. I mean, they have to keep up that pace of, of, of exactly what you said. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those situations where 102 could be enough. Um, but you, that hundred point mark is probably where 92 could be enough. 92 could be enough. It's just, it really depends on what the other teams do. I mean, Tampa Bay is off to a pretty good start. Toronto's up, but then there's a lot of teams that haven't gotten off to a good start. Like the New York Rangers that probably are going to be a playoff team still too. So that's the other thing you have to look at. And is it, is a team like New Jersey going to fall back? Um, they're eight, they're nine, three and oh, is Buffalo going to fall back? I know Buffalo has played some good hockey, but I mean, are they as good as they played? So that's the real question from constrictor on discord. The wings are off to the best record through 12 games since 2010. What is another thing from 2010 that you miss? Uh, Nick a, <laughs> uh good emo music. Tyler doesn't remember 2010. Oh, fuck off. Of course I remember. Tyler was in diapers in 2010. He doesn't know. I was not. I, I was, I was not in diapers in 2010 and Ryan, I'll, I'll just kind of say, I agree with the Lidstrom one, but I'm going to say Pavel Datsuk. I just miss watching that guy play, you know, night in night out. Uh, the most creative player I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, when I have kids, I'm going to show them the videos of Pavel Datsuk because he was unbelievable. I mean, just for reference on Lidstrom, he still had a 62-point season that year at age 40. So, I'm still going to say good emo music. From the Clangster on Discord, what are the odds that the Wings have three to five 30-goal scorers this season? Uh, Kubi could do it, guys. He could do it again, have his first 30-goal season since his rookie season. Larkin, I think you can almost count on him to do it. The way Raymond's picked it back up, he could do it. That's three. Let's see how Burt does when he comes back from injury. I mean, I think odds are are really good. We have at least three 30-goal scores this season. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably fair. I, I mean, if Raymond starts going on a tear and really picks things up, I could see him starting to actually push for that this season. I think Larkin is your guarantee. Kubi could be – you could almost write him in. David Perron might be a dark horse for it, depending on how he keeps going, because his shot, especially on the power play, has been lightning. Um, Bert would be the only other guy I would say to, that could potentially go for it, but he's going to have to push it well over a point per game pace to get, make that a reality, which isn't out of, you know, the realm of possibility, but we'll see how he is coming back with a hand injury or wrist injury, whatever it is that he has. So, um, three, I think is safe. Anything more I would bet you could bet money on and probably potentially win. Yeah, I think I think it's more than three. I think it's probably closer to four, maybe five. Uh, it's possible. Tyler, if it's more than three, it has to be four. It can't be closer. You can't have three and a half 30 goal scorers. Okay, oh, so four, man. maybe five. That's All right, who? 
Larkin, Bertuzzi, potentially. Um, Raymond is one. And then Kubalik. That's four. All right. Bertuzzi's got a lot of making up to do. He yeah, does, does, but he seems to be producing when he is in there. So, I mean, it does, obviously, you know, he's got to get going and he does have some time still uh, until he comes back. But I, I do see at least three, maybe four. Okay. He's I'm going to say for three. I'll walk it back a little bit. All right. We have a couple more. I'm going to answer really quickly before we get to a couple of fun ones. Verona's status, we don't know. Will Berggren finally get called? We talked about it a little earlier. I think there's a good shot depending on the recovery times of a couple guys. And now that we know that uh, Zadina is going to be out for a few months, is Bertuzzi on track to return on time? As far as we know, yes. Uh, we haven't really had any updates on Bertuzzi's injury status. We've actually had more updates on Wallman, Pissick, and um, Robbie Fabry than we haven't really heard anything on Bertuzzi. So uh, we've got Chris who uh, at Fopac Jack on Twitter asked why so many injuries. My only answer was it be like that. Sometimes uh, it's better, I guess, to get them out of the way at the beginning of the season than towards the end when you're trying to play down the stretch and win while you've got those injuries. And then Maddie asks at Detrussi on Twitter, who's your favorite three, one, three host. Uh, Maddie recently uh, gave me French fries and a hug at the last game. So uh, Maddie's got more points right now to the three, one, three crew. I, I got hugs from both, but I didn't get any French fries. So I'd say it's a dead tie between her and Jake. I haven't met the other. I agree. Sorry, I can't say. You got a tie. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm playing the fifth on who would be the favorite. I don't think that's, if I get French fries though, I, that would definitely push, push someone across the line. Absolutely. And they're those LCA like beer batter French fries. Oh, Ooh, they're so okay. Good. Yeah. That's, that's an easy win. That's not even fair. All right. Well, that, a, that, that ends our gigantic mailbag of the week. I want to get your guys' final thoughts uh, before we sign off. And we're going to start tonight with Ryan. Final thoughts for me is it was a good week. I mean, hopefully we can, it's, I shouldn't say hopefully the likelihood of us having these conversations some more is, are, is good. And I like that because you look at last year, I just mentioned it through 22 games. We were 10, nine and three is what it was. I mean, we're already almost to that 10 win point in a front in 10 less games. So happy podcast, better than sad <sighs> podcast. It is refreshing to be able to talk about these things and see a goal like we had with the two newcomers in Piranha Kubalik just shitting on people and it's fantastic so as long as we've got guys like larkin staying healthy i that to me that matters more than anyone else on this team whether or not they're hurt because we've seen what guys coming in and helping this roster out have done to this point and they're filling roles and they're doing their jobs and that's what's important but you've got no one that can replace what dylan larkin brings to this roster right now so good vibes good juju across the board there it's it's fun hockey right now minus Buffalo, but that's, it's going to happen sometimes. So it's exciting to see what alone has already brought to this team and the mindset you can obviously tell has shifted and what they're doing. And it's, I hope it's the start of something good. It's just, I don't want to get too excited. There's a lot of hockey left, but it's a, it's a promising start. So already Ryan 33. Yeah. The start has been good. Um, you know, it, it certainly is, is promising. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast a while. We haven't had one winning team yet. So, um, you know, it, it would be, it would, we would look. Don't let Rowan hear that. What? Don't let Rowan hear that and jump on it. Well, we haven't, we haven't had one winning team yet. And, uh, you know, that's not to our fault. We, 
we started this in the middle of a gigantic rebuild. Um, and, you know, I haven't talked winning Red Wings hockey since I started this way back in the winged octopus days. So it, it, it feels nice to be able to talk some positivity and talk about the wings in a positive way, as opposed to in a tanking slash not tanking, but you know what I mean? A, a middling and, and, you know, kind of sitting towards the end of, of, of the NHL, uh, you know, now we're closer to the top, which is certainly a good thing. And hopefully that keeps up, um, you know, looking forward. I mean, you have that, the, the West trip early on in the season, you know, you have Anaheim, San Jose and LA um, coming up here soon. So you'll, you'll, you'll know a lot more about this team, after this week, I think you have uh, Montreal, the Rangers, and then you go out West. So uh, looking forward to that, but you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Yeah, like Tyler said, we have the uh, terrible Montreal Canadiens up on the 8th. We have a rematch against the Rangers on the 10th. They are going to be rather angry. And then we have the LA Kings on the 12th. So no more back-to-backs for a while. I actually don't think we have any until the December 3rd and 4th against Vegas and Columbus. That one's going to be hell, but we've got some solid matchups coming up. And I mean, we can get, we can win two of the next three. I mean, that's it's a good kind of line to be on, Um, but you can follow me at, or you follow the podcast online at grand light pod. You can follow me at bringing the wing. You can uh, follow the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net. We like to thank them for sharing us among the hockey podcast sphere of people. We give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use a promo code GRINDLON on Howie's Hockey Tape, you will get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you will get 12% off your order. You can also check out our merch on redbubble.com by searching the grind line. There are going to be a lot of sales on Redbubble coming up because it is Christmas time. So they are going to be getting their sales in for the holidays. So make sure you check there frequently. I will also post on Twitter generally when there are sales going on with a couple design examples. But go over there and search us out and go check out our YouTube channel. Sub to us there. Interact with us on there. Uh, I've also started interacting more with people on HF boards. So if you are on the hockey boards, uh, you can check us out there as well. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler... I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.